folks, we don't talk about it much in our podcasts, but our Effective Manager Conference, our Effective Communications Conference, and our Effective Interviewer Conference are all available to be delivered in-house at your corporation, your firm, your organization. We have over a 1,000 clients the world over on all the continents except Antarctica who have paid us to travel to them, customize our training, and deliver more focused training uh, without the opportunity cost of individuals traveling. Uh, depending upon the size of the group, you can save some money. And again, totally tailored to your culture, your company, your people. If there's somebody in your firm that we need to talk to, let us know or have them contact us. We look forward to it. Welcome to Manager Tools. Planning an offsite, part three. Here we go. So you, Mark, covered the, the first two points. Um, and so let's, let's talk about the third one. Identify potential hotels and submit your RFP or request for proposal. Yeah. So the first, the first step we talked about was identifying where you're going to have the offsite, meaning the city. And then last week we talked about how to actually write the RFP. And now we're going to talk about how to identify hotels, potential hotels, and then submit your RFP. So um, I feel like this harkens back, Mike, to uh, vintage manager tools because we broke it down into four steps. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. There's always four steps. There's it doesn't matter four. what the model is. There's four steps. <laughs> Unless it's a handshake, then there's 13. Right. If there's five, you've gone too far. And if there's three, you're probably missing something. So hotels, that's really simple, right? You just go out and go get the phone book out and you pick out 20 <laughs> yeah. out of the phone book and there you go. What's so hard I about wish. that? I wish. The first question that we're going to suggest that you ask yourself. And I guess it's really it's really more four questions to answer more than four steps. But question number one is, have you used the hotel before? And if so, what was your experience like? Did you have a good experience or not? The second question is, is the hotel on your organization's approved list of hotels, if there is such a list? Third, does the hotel have the meeting space that you need? And four, how close is the hotel to the airport and other potential points of interest? So those are the four questions to answer when you are looking at potential hotels that you are going to submit your RFP to. Right. And our first um, piece of guidance, if you will, is that if it's possible and you've been to the, a hotel before and you've had a good experience, then go back, right? All things being equal. Yeah. If the hotel delivered on what they agreed to in the contract, if they did what they said they were going to do, if the staff did a good job, if they provided good service, and if the pricing is still within your budget, then you'll probably want to return or at the very least give that hotel a chance to submit a proposal. Sometimes, again, depending on your organization, you may have to get multiple bids. You, you, can't, you may not be able to just say, we've gone to this hotel before, so we're going back. Your organization may require you to still bid it out. Even if this hotel comes back with a higher bid or not the lowest bid, Again, depending on your organization, you may still be able to use it. You'll just have to be prepared to provide an answer for why. And obviously, the experience you've had there before will give you the data that you need to explain why you're going with a higher-priced hotel. Right. And I don't have nearly as much experience as you do doing this stuff. Um, but my experience is that the service you get from hotels varies quite dramatically. You can go some places where it is just awesome they're they support you they're there to help they're you know they're just they're just awesome and then you go to some hotels it's just 
flipping awful. And yeah. so I've always looked at it as going to a hotel I've never been before to before, regardless of the price and all that kind of stuff, is risky. Because you just don't know what you're going to get. It's it's really a crapshoot. It, it is. Sad to say. It, it really is. And even if it's within the same chain, Mark and I talked about this last week. If you've been to, let's say, uh, Embassy Suites before, that's a pretty ubiquitous chain in the States. Just because you're looking at another Embassy Suites doesn't mean you're going to have the same experience you've had at previous embassy suites that you've used not even close it's so dependent i mean uh, number one it, it depends upon the, the staff but the manager makes a huge difference you have a yeah. great manager but yeah it is a, like you said it's a crap shoot and so if you if you've been to a hotel before and you've had a great experience and particularly if the staff hasn't turned a lot and they do tend to turn some um but if it's the same manager same staff then man to me it's a no-brainer <laughs> in terms of Absolutely. limiting risk even if it re means that you pay a little bit more um definitely I would recommend spend the extra money if you can, uh, because it will be well worth it. This at the hotel, how well they deliver or fail to deliver on what they've agreed to and what's in the contract is going to seriously impact the quality of your meeting and the outcomes of your meeting and really the, the ROI of your meeting. Well, yeah, if you haven't done this a lot, I think it's, it's possible somebody would not see this, right? I mean, uh, for example, if, if lunch arrives a half an hour late, it can totally hose up your entire completely. schedule, right? It can completely yes. screw you up. Not to mention the fact that it makes people, uh, people get frustrated when food's not there when they're expecting it. They get cranky. They get cranky. <laughs> <laughs> their, their contributions for the rest of the afternoon are probably not going to be as good as they could have been. That's right. Um, and if you're facilitating this meeting, and for example, you're trying to get an initiative approved or you're trying to get some buy-in on something, the hotel's failure will reflect on your credibility because people will say, why, in their minds, they'll be thinking, why should I go along with, with this person on, on their initiative or their idea? Why should I invest? I mean, look, they couldn't even get lunch here on time. Right, they couldn't even get the their meeting. hotel stuff taken care of. I mean, I mean, geez, how, how hard can it be? I mean, it couldn't possibly be like a five-part podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how, how hard could it be? How yeah. hard could it be? And certainly from your perspective as the person running the meeting, you're going to have a lot of things going on. You're going to have a lot of details that you're thinking about. You're going to be thinking about the purpose of the meeting and what you're trying to get out of it. And just knowing that you're going back to a hotel that you've been to where hopefully you will have met the staff previously, all that can give you a significant peace of mind that frees up that mind, that, that uh, time and attention in your mind to focus on the important stuff, which is the meeting. That's a great point. If you're the one presenting, last thing we want to be focused on is where's the lunch? Why is the room too cold? Why is the room too hot? All that right. kind of stuff. And if you are a repeat customer, if this is a place that you are going to go back to, or this is a meeting that you're going to have with some regularity, you are much more likely to get special consideration, better service, special attention from the hotel um, in, need, in, in terms of any special needs or requests that you might have. Yeah. Um, so always good. That's the positive scenario, right? We're going to a place, been to the hotel before, makes it pretty simple, assuming pricing is within reason and all that. Um, but what if you can't return to a hotel you've used before or you're planning offsite for the, the first time or you're going to a different city for the first time? What then? Yeah, so previously we talked about location, meaning city. 
And similarly, our recommendation here is going to be if your company has a list of approved hotels or a specific chain, then you need to go to that list. You need to use that list. There's likely reasons that you're not aware of, such as discounted rates that have been negotiated or spending tiers. Uh, a lot of hotel chains, if a company spends a certain amount, then they get pricing breaks and that is all built into why your company may have selected that chain or that location and that could impact rates for future meetings if you have been around an organization for a while or you're relatively new to this like putting your your finger in the eye of the organization and not following their guidance is it's just not a smart thing to do and take it from somebody who's done that before <laughs> yes. it's like i i i um yeah i didn't follow the guidance and i i spent a lot of money for a fairly large organization uh, for a Christmas party. And my staff loved it. They loved it. It was great. We had a great time. Um, the next week or so wasn't so great for me, <laughs> must, right. I must tell you. And beyond the money that's spent is just the relationships that, that get damaged. You know, where it's like, hey, come on, you should have known that that we had a list that you should use. And you you end up having to go back and rebuild credibility with those folks who thought you should have known better, right? Oh, I should have done that. Maybe I should have done that after. <laughs> but in any case, if you're smart, you're going to go back and rebuild the relationships. Yeah, exactly. Some organizations, for example, where I used to work, I've mentioned this a couple of times in this, in this uh, as Mike is, keeps pointing out very long series uh, where I worked at the American Cancer Society. Our policy was that we we only used hotels that were fully non-smoking, meaning there was no smoking areas in the hotel. Because of the smell? Um, <laughs> just, just, yeah, <laughs> just kidding. Sorry. Bad joke. Bad joke. So you need to be aware of those types of things. Uh, or your organization may have maybe not a written list but there there could be again just like with the cities there could be unwritten lists or unwritten rules of you know well we we don't have a specific rule about it but it's understood that we only use hotels next to airports because it saves money on ground transportation and yeah and sometimes they're not written and so if this is the first time you've you've done it then go talk to other people in your organization who have planned these kind of meetings before and find out from them about those unwritten policies. Don't don't find out about the hardware. Cool. Next is you need to find out and make sure that the hotel has the space that you need. There's no reason to Of course submit. they do. Oh of gosh, they do. only. You don't want to waste your time sending the the RFP in if the hotel can't meet your needs. And we say meeting room space, but you need to think also about F&B because again, some hotels, they might have a meeting room, but they don't have an in-house uh, in-house food and beverage service other than the coffee shop. And so, yeah, you can come and have your meeting here, but you're going to have to bring your own food in. You're going to have to have it catered by somebody else. Yeah. And it's not, and, and folks, when we say enough space and then, you know, maybe Mark and you covered this, this earlier, but it's not enough. Do you have a small room? Do you have a large room? I mean, you have to think a, a little bit more specifics than that in terms of how much space do you need, depending upon what you're doing for, you know, for managed tools, we do a lot of um, exercises that require a lot of space. So we need larger than a normal meeting room. So if we said to, to the hotel, we need space for 25 people, They'd stick us in a room. We'd walk. We'd walk oh, and be like, "Oh be my god!" It'd be twenty by twenty. Right. We'd never. It'd, <laughs> it'd never tiny. work. Right. So you. So you have to think very specifically about what you're going to do. What What are the activities planned, and how much space you need to the point where you know you need 
no less than 25 feet by 30 feet or something, right? So whatever that number is, you need to know very specifically because the hotels, you say you need a medium space, space room. They're like, yeah, we got one. I mean, it's a medium space closet. But. <laughs> yeah. And that's not, uh, that again is going to impact your, the quality of your meeting. Absolutely. The majority of hotels, there's only been a very small number that that I have worked with where they don't have their schematics online. And certainly all the big chains, the Marriott and the Hiltons and Starwood properties, they all do. Um, sometimes when you're dealing with a, a small local, for example, like a family owned property, they may not, but in that case, you might be able to go down and do a site visit. But if you're dealing with a, a larger, particularly a chain, you can just go online. They're going to have a page on their website that you can go and look up meeting space. They'll either have a schematic of the room or diagrams of their meeting space, or they'll have the, the measurements. And most will have actually both. So again, pretty easy to look that up. And you don't want to take your time sending proposals, requests for proposals to hotels, and then have them come back and say, you requested a 30 30 by 50 and we don't have any the biggest we have is 25 by 35 right and it's, and it's worth looking at schematics um for things like now they don't unfortunately they don't always depict these kind of things in schematics but you know like pillars like you can have a large room with two huge, huge pillars, pillars in the middle of right the room in the that, middle of the room <laughs> that completely cut out you know you know 15 percent of the the available seats right it looks like it's big enough but it's not because these pillars in the middle and you don't want to, I don't know, you don't want to show up in London, perhaps, just saying somebody just saying. might have done that in London and go into a room and find out there's two pillars in the room that... This type totally hypothetical, right? Totally, totally <laughs> hypothetical. Uh, that was that was a long time ago, but yeah, we, we had that experience. And Mike's absolutely right. They are usually not going to have that show up on those diagrams. And so you will specifically need to ask the hotel when they come back to you and say, hey, yes, we have some availability in this room, you're going to want to ask, are there any obstructions in the room? Are there any pillars? Are there any stairs? Because sometimes there's wonky setups and you have to go downstairs to get into the room. Um, so you just want to ask about those types of things. Is there a disco bar right next door? I mean, those 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 kind of sometimes things. Sometimes it happens. Is there a dance floor? I have I have presented on dance floors. <laughs> oh, excellent. Which makes it very interesting. Okay. What next? How about, how about like distance from airports and all those kind of points of interest, yep. that kind of stuff? You want to check all of that. You want to know inside and out how far your your hotel is that you're sending the RFP to from the airport. Uh, from any other points of interest. If, for example, if the majority of your participants are flying in, it probably makes sense to look at hotels that are closer to the airport. Airport hotels are predominantly what we use at Manager Tools, although more and more of our attendees are not flying in, so we're starting to look outside of airport hotels, but they're very convenient. You can get to them very quickly back and forth from the airport. Uh, on the other hand, if a lot of your people are driving in, then you might want to look at properties that are near the major interstates and the major highways so that people can find them and get to them easier. Uh, it's such a bummer to ha to be there on, on time. You're ready to kick off the meeting and three of your participants who are carpooling are driving around because they're lost because they can't find it. Right. And because you didn't provide them in the advanced communication, you didn't provide them uh, straightforward directions on how to get there. But right. That's a different topic. If you're going to have a lot of downtime, uh, if it's a multi-day meeting and you're going to give people 
an afternoon off to go do some sightseeing, or maybe you're planning some activities, some group activities, then it helps if the hotel is centrally located to any of those types of places, those points of interest. Um, on the other hand, if your agenda is tight and it's going to be, we're here to meet and we're not going to have a lot of time for those types of, you know, things, no fun allowed here, then My kind you're, of meeting. <laughs> right? Then that's no. probably not as important to you. And that will probably help save you some money because the more kind of touristy a hotel is, the closer it is to tourist attractions, it's probably going to be a little bit more expensive, particularly if it's during the season when they get a lot of tourists. Right. Have we done a conference in Vegas before? No. No. Okay. Not. Just, just, I don't know. Just, I know it's not my side of the business and you and Mark picked those things, but I, I'd be glad to come help. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think there's something about appearances. <laughs> oh, yes, that old professionalism thing. So now we've, we've used this guidance to, to pick a number of properties. So what's the next step once we've picked the list, if you will? Great. So you've got your list of properties. Now you're going to submit each of them. You're going to send them each a copy of your RFP. Some hotels, again, particularly the large chains, you'll see that they'll have an option online that you can submit your request. And you'll be attracted to that. You will. And we recommend resist the temptation resist the temptation why <laughs> why is it. that it's it just is is a black hole i mean I, maybe i'm wrong about this i've only done this a couple hundred times but my experience <laughs> is yeah but maybe maybe you're wrong maybe i could be wrong it just doesn't work it seems much more efficient oh i can just click on this and and send it in um, but in my experience i get much better response if I just pick up the phone and call directly. It takes a little bit extra time at the beginning, but you will more than make up for it later. I have tested it and submit, when I say tested, I mean submitting it online. And it usually takes at least a week or two to hear back from an online request. It just goes in their queue and it gets assigned to somebody and it takes a long time to hear back. So what I do is when I have my list of hotels that I'm interested in, I just call the main number and I say, can you please connect me to the sales and catering office or the banquet office? And whoever they put me through, they answer the phone and I introduce myself. I say, hi, this is Danny Martin. I'm with Manager Tools. We're interested in booking a meeting. I was wondering if you could give me the name of somebody, whoever in your office that I could send my RFP to. And then they'll usually give me a name and an email address. And then I send that person a personalized email from my email to their personalized email. Sometimes hotels will say, oh, just send it to meetings at you know, Hilton.com. That's fairly rare. I would say that's less than 5% of the time. Most of the time, they'll give me the name and, and email address of the contact person. Yeah, and isn't it kind of nice that if you have a problem, if, if it's been a, a few days, you think you should have gotten a response and you haven't gotten one, you have the email address or the name or even the phone number of the person you need to talk to about it. Absolutely. I mean, what a way of accelerating the responses you're going to get. And if you get a chance to talk to the person or even the fact that you sent them an email to, you know, dear Mike or dear Jill, you get the chance to start a relationship. And right. God, I think we've, I think we said it probably 2 million times. Relationships matter. And yeah, you think you're, you're, you're the customer and they're the vendor and relationships shouldn't matter. They should just jump and do whatever you ask them to do. And that's just not the way it works. Um, there are people who are competing for those spaces sometimes. And if you have a relationship, it's going to help. And this is just a small example of, of that principle put into practice. 
Yeah. When we do it this way, when we send an email directly to that person, we typically get a response within three days. Not always, but a lot of the time we do. And even then, it can take weeks to, to go through this process from contacting a hotel to signing a contract. Um, we've had sometimes this, this conversation, this negotiation with the hotel, once we've agreed on a date, we've had it go on sometimes as long as five to six weeks before we finally get the contract and sign it and, and send it back in. And so anything that you can do on the front end to speed that up is good. I mean, I would recommend anybody planning a meeting that you start looking at hotels and, and, and going through this process at least three months out. And really probably I would even go closer to four months out. But if you're thinking about that you can do this and book a meeting in three weeks, then you're, you're smoking crack. Um, it's not going to happen. As we say often <laughs> around the table, smoking crack. And if you're thinking about this is already a three-month process and adding another two or three weeks on the front end just to get somebody to look at your RFP and tell you if they have availability, that's significant. Yeah, and folks, it's time-consuming. It's it's There's a lot of details, but... Again, if you want to have a great meeting, if you want to have a great outcome, you want to achieve your objectives, then you'll put in the hard work. Yeah, the the entire meeting planning process slows down significantly as soon as you get a hotel involved. And so go fast while you can when it's just you at this point, right? You're the one reaching out to hotels because once the hotel is contacted and you've sent them your RFP, it's going to go very slow. So Go fast early. Yeah, you have any hints on you know once you've sent in the RFP? You have any hints or suggestions on how to speed up the process if you can? Yeah, absolutely. So I recommend that you have some a, a couple of backup dates available. Again, if you're looking at three or four months out, you should be able to do that. So you want to have some other potential dates that you know are going to work. This way, if the hotel doesn't have availability for the date that you requested, you already have some other dates identified that you've told your meeting attendees, guys, the meeting is gonna be one of these three dates, so be aware and I'm, I'm working on it. And as soon as we get it confirmed, I'll let you know. So if you had like June 15th, uh, July 10th and July 28th, you would call up the hotel and you'd give them those three dates and say, hey, no. No, you just said to have multiple dates. What are you talking about? Yeah, have them in your plan, but no, do not give them the ho don't do not give the hotel your dates up front. Uh, it's pretty typical that they will come back and ask you for other possible dates. So they may come back and say, "Well, we don't have availability. Can you give us some other dates?" Or they may say, "We don't have ability for the room you want." on that day or we have another customer who's we have that meeting room on hold for do you have some other dates and you might not have flexibility but if you do do not give the hotel more than one date at a time okay so just be clear you're gonna you said don't give them the dates you gotta give them one date right you're gonna <laughs> give them one date okay. yes sorry your yes. preferred date right you're gonna give them the date you your really, first choice your first choice but don't give them your backups at the same time right here's why Let's say you have three possible dates for the meeting and the hotel says, we don't have availability on, your on the first choice. Rather than giving them your second and third dates at the same time, thinking, oh, this will save time. I'll just go ahead and tell them, okay, they couldn't do it June 15th, so I'll go ahead and give them June 20th and June 25th, thinking this will save me time. 
No, we recommend you only give them your second choice when they come back, right? You only give them the second date. If they aren't available on your second date, then give them your third date. And here's why. If you give them all of the dates at once, if you say, hey, I'm looking at doing a meeting and here are the three dates, they're going to pick the date that works the best for them, right? which may or may not be the date that works best for you. Uh, so they may have availability on your second preferred date, but your third preferred date really works best for them based on other meetings that they know people are contacting them about. And so they come back and they say, so we have a, we'll come back and tell you, yep, we have availability on your third date. And your second preferred date, they also had availability on, but you never know that. Because right. they don't tell you. And they gave it to somebody else. And they gave it to somebody else. And you just lost your second best date as an option. So give them one date at a time so that they had to say yes or no to that date before finding out any other possibilities. Yeah. And this isn't wrong or unethical or unprofessional. It's, it's, it's a negotiation. And they have the right to, to manage their business as best they can and try to get as many of those uh, booking dates filled up as possible. And you have the, the right and frankly, the obligation for your organization to get what's best for your organization. So right. perfectly reasonable thing to do. Now, if it really is a case where you're, where it is potato, potato for you, it's, it's irrelevant if it's one date or the other, Yeah, okay. then fine. Just understand that, you know, they're going to pick the one that works the best for them. Right. Which is absolutely reasonable for them to do. Completely. We're about at 30 minutes. I, I suspect we ought to we ought to stop here. Sorry, guys, this is a long <laughs> one, but this is it's it's a complicated, uh, long process. And if you haven't done this before, you will not find this information anywhere else. It only took me 18 years to learn all of this. So hopefully it will help somebody else. All right. So next week, I think we're going to continue with once you have all of the proposals, how do you go about making a decision? Absolutely. Thanks, Danny. This is awesome. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll continue with this one next week. It's a long one. <laughs> See ya. Bye. This podcast was produced by Manager Tools. Manager Tools creates actionable management guidance every single week. To receive additional materials via our newsletter and to find products for situations you may face as a manager or a professional, go to www.manager-tools.com. Search for Manager Tools on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn.